1: go ahead and get started so what we're gonna be doing today this is another guitar workshop Um, we're just gonna be talking about uh, various different guitar techniques today okay Uh, we're celebrating a course that I've got coming out if you have not already checked it out it's called creative blues soloing and you can certainly look at that there's gonna be a link sometime soon here hey how you doing Um, and you'll be able to check that out awesome sounds good thank you very much Thank you. You can hear it okay? Everything sounds good? Hello from Stockholm, Sweden. Awesome. Good. So glad that you're here. Live in Scotland. That's awesome. All over the world. This is so great. Okay. How am I? I'm doing great. I'm uh, ready to have lunch right after this. It's been a long morning. Had a lot of stuff going on. So hey, Pat. So glad everybody is here. This is great. So what we're going to do is we're going to get started. Good. Thank you. The sound is good. Hey, Ron. So let's go ahead and get started. I don't want to take way too much of your time. I know everybody's got things going on. It might be morning. It might be noon. It might be evening. And uh, thank you. Thank you. Florida is here. This is great. Uh, Remember, if you're in the Facebook group, uh, when you pop up on my chat, it just says Facebook user. It's a Facebook thing. It's not a... A guitar zoom thing it's a facebook privacy thing so if you're in the facebook group always put your name even just your first name is fine and that way i can say hey you're from birmingham but i can also say your name if you put it so if you're in the facebook user group put your name in there when you when you put something thank you uh hey sheen shane marcos Cool. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Today, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about various blues techniques. Now, these techniques, of course, can be used in other things, too. It's not just blues, but we're going to make them more blues-oriented. And then I'll be going live again on Friday and again on Sunday. And Friday, you definitely don't want to miss Friday because I'm going to be doing some... Uh, some really important things that make blues sound like blues. We're gonna be talking about that and then Sunday we're gonna be doing a Q&A and they're both at the same time so whatever time you're at right now is gonna be the exact same time okay. Hey everybody this is awesome. So let's go ahead and get started. So the first thing I want to do when it comes to effective playing and this certainly can go with, with chords but it's gonna be more geared toward soloing and again you don't have to be some you know experienced guitar player, you know, soloing for 20 years, just whatever works for you. But uh, let's just start with something simple. The first thing I like to talk about when it comes to making your guitar solos sound more effective and less like you're just playing a scale is to focus on what I uh, call dynamics. Okay. Now there's a lot of ways to approach dynamics. So the first thing I want to do is show you this. So right now. I'm using this Ibanez guitar, and I've got the toggle switch, the pickup selector switch, in the center position. So it's going to a single, uh, uh, a single coil pickup. Okay, and then I'm using the Kemper back here, and I've got just kind of a, you know, medium dirty kind of tone. But I want to show you this. So when I go to play in this, in this center position right here, that's what it sounds like. If I go all the way down to my bridge position, you see it sounds quite a bit different. If I go all the way up to my neck position, you see, they sound vastly different. Now, is any of, are any of those tones more or less bluesy? Not really, it depends on what you're trying to solo over. You know, if you're soloing over something where maybe the band is a little bit more intense, right? That the music is a little more intense, I might go with one of the other ones. I might go with either a bridge or a neck position pickup to try and get a little more aggression out of it. And certainly when I move up into the higher register on the guitar. So if I was up here, let's say I bet the 15th fret. And I want this kind of beefy tone. I might go into that bridge position, or here's the neck position. Now neck I think neck always sounds more like that. It sounds like you're kind of covering up your 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 mouth and talking. But they all sound very different. Now let me go to that single coil in the center here. See how it's it's a lot thinner and it's brighter. So if I was playing something maybe where my solo was just starting off, and I've always thought of solos as being kind of an up and down or ebb and flow kind of thing where they need to move, right? It's not just high intensity the whole time. And again, it's different in different styles of music or different songs. So I'm just talking, if, if we are in a scenario where we're playing some blues and it's starting off and we're just kind of getting into it, right? So we come in. So we're just kind of starting to get things going. So for me, techniques, one of the most essential techniques is getting to know the dynamics of your guitar and being able to play on that. And the second part of this is, is not just the pickup selector, but the way that you pick. Okay. When you pick really soft. Okay? You can change the sound of of the dynamics, obviously. And these are things that are really important to think about because oftentimes, because of our practice regimen and the way we think about playing guitar, we tend to focus on scales, right, and theory. And I'm not saying that any of that is bad. Obviously, it's all good. But when it comes time to try and start making the music, even if you're playing chords... Right? The way that you strum, you might strum slower or harder. Right? Now, there's three things that I always want you to think about when it comes to dynamics. Number one is your pickup selector or your toggle switch. Number two is the intensity at which you're picking right? You pick softer, you pick louder, that sort of thing. I'm trying to get caught up with some of these. I I know you throw a lot of uh, chats out there and or or comments and I can't read them all because it just flies by but I'll do the best I can as I keep going here. Okay. And then of course the third thing is the volume, the actual volume, right? If I turn it all the way up and bring it down Now here I'm in the the bridge position. So again, I got a lot of stuff going here. But if I turn that down, it's still got more bite, more mid range, right? So I want you to become aware of these things because you know when you first start playing and you go out and you buy your guitar and you know you start messing around, none of this stuff really makes sense of what it all does, right? But the longer you play, you more st- you start realizing that those humbuckers and this guitar has got two humbuckers, right? Are are more intense. They 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 offer more output for the most part. And uh, because of their, their position on the guitar, they, they have more beef, right? Where this center position, which I always love having a guitar with three pickups, and everybody's different, but I, that's just the way that, that it works best for me. And that center position is always where I like to go when I get kind of mellow like that, okay? So that's the first thing is, is understanding dynamics and all the different ways that you can, you can um, establish those dynamics. Hello from Sweden. Just joined. Thanks from Vancouver. Awesome. Hi from Croatia. This is awesome. Uh, Steve's live in the studio. Yep. Uh, the admin is. I'm not sure what that means, but um, let's see here. California. Love your studio. Thank you very much. How loud does the camper get? Well, the, that's a, a powered camper. It's it's um, and I don't remember how many watts it has. Maybe somebody on there does. I haven't thought about it in a while since I bought it, but. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember how many watts it has. 800 watts, 600 watts, something like that. So, quite a bit. More more than I usually need, for sure. Uh, Ru Hall is from Nepal, that's awesome. Okay, well let's keep going. So we have quite a few people on the, on the uh, video right now, so let's keep going. So the next thing I want to do is I want to talk to you about some things that I always call human elements, and they're absolutely crucial to making a solo sound like a solo, okay? The first one we're gonna talk about is sliding. Now, sliding is absolutely imperative. And for me, sliding was always, when I first started doing this stuff, sliding was either I'm sliding into a phrase or out of a phrase, right? So if I started the phrase, I might slide in. And then I would slide out. So we're gonna talk about two different kinds of slides. We're gonna talk about airplane slides. And then we're going to talk about directive slides or point slides. Now an airplane slide is a slide where you're, if you, I always call it an airplane slide. Because if you think about it, when an airplane lands, you're not exactly sure where the wheels are going to touch the ground. Okay? You're just hoping and praying that they touch the ground. But you're not exactly sure. There's not an exact spot where the wheels touch the ground. It's kind of wherever okay and that's like a slide when I want an airplane slide I'm not looking at going from second fret to fifth fret or fourth fret to fifth fret I don't want the listener to hear the first part I just want them to hear the slide effect so when I do this I'm going to turn this on just so you can hear me a little bit better see that so I'm not going that would be a directive slide where I'm, I'm purposefully starting or stopping on A and B whatever those notes are going to be (laughs) where you can hear that first note an airplane slide isn't like that an airplane slide is almost like a ghost note you don't want to hear that first note you just want to hear the effect or the impact of that slide does that make sense okay let me get caught up here with some of these chats as they go by okay now you can do airplane slides going this way, and you can do airplane slides going this way. I've always thought like Steve Vai is a prime example of of that kind of sound. Where you can slide in from up, up here somewhere, and it's it's a little bit, you know, this is more of a natural sound. And then I can do the same thing. I can airplane slide off of the note. And what I want you to notice is what I do is I touch the the strings when I'm done. So when I do this, you can see I touch right there. That way you're not hearing anything. I'm not going... You know, you don't hear an end note. It's just off into oblivion. Right there. You see? So that's what you start getting used to is airplane slides. See, you can even hear the actual movement of the elements that make up the guitar as I'm doing that. At least I, hear I hope you can. I'm not sure how good the quality is over there, but. Um, you see, so you get used to sliding into a phrase or sliding out of a phrase. And then you can slide in, obviously, and out, but you can slide from the top side too. So if you want more of a Kind of sound too that sounds really really cool so again i'm running through these kind of quick i don't but i want you to think about those even if you just write them down with a pencil or you come back and watch this video later these are essential techniques to really start making your your guitar sound like it's singing and you're not just playing now there's a place for that too no doubt about it but if we do that all the time the problem is is that we start losing that human element Okay, so with the directive slides, what I like to do is I like to slide back and forth. So for instance, let's say, this is something I, I saw a guy do many, many years ago when I was a lot younger than I am now. And I was, and again, nothing big. It wasn't, it wasn't, but it was life-changing for me, but what he was doing wasn't a big deal. But what he would do is oftentimes he would play a note. And when he'd play that note, right after he'd play whatever note it is, he would slide into that same note. You see? So you play a note like this five, or this seven I'm playing. I'm just playing an A minor pentatonic right now. Hey Jay, hey Robin. You see, I can slide into that note and reiterate that same note. And it sounds kind of cool. Now, of course I could just go play the same note twice, but when I slide in, it gives it a different effect. And then notice how I slid back afterward to the five that I was on. Or sometimes what I'll do is I'll just slide up and back like this. See that? Thank you, Meat Machine 91 Drama Sue, thank you. Thank you everybody for being here. Monty is here, that's awesome. You see? So what I like to do, one of, the, one of the ones I want you to walk away with, again, you may have done this before, I don't know, but let's say I'm an A minor pentatonic and we know that because it's blues, and this is more of what we're gonna talk about on Friday, I love to add my blue note or blues note into this. So one way I would add this with sliding is I would go, again, I'm in A minor pentatonic, I'd go to the seventh fret of the third string and I would slide up to the eighth fret and then slide back like this. Now, if I put that in uh, context, if I'm, let's say I'm descending my line here. See how it adds that blues element? Just a nice subtle little element of doing that little slide. You see? So it's just a cool way of adding a phrase that sounds musical. And that's what I want you to always think about is trying to figure out how to keep yourself from just going, right, that sort of thing. It's okay to do that, but then follow it up with something that's different, right? Don't do the same exact thing. And certainly in your phrasing, uh, which is another point really we should get into on Friday. Today is talking about technique, but that's definitely what we'll talk about. So we've got uh, dynamics, and now we've got these slides, we're doing airplane slides, we're doing directive slides, and the third one really would be back and forth slides. And I talk about all kinds of this stuff, obviously in Creative Blue Soloing, which is the course that you're gonna see some links for in the chat and stuff like that. Um, there's all kinds of different licks and things like that. To, to the, the point of Creative Blue Soloing is to get you to get out of playing things that just sound matter of fact. Learning to play creatively is really, really important and it doesn't just come from playing a scale back and forth or a, a technique exercise. You really gotta start thinking differently about what you're trying to do with the sounds, okay? And I guarantee you, if you think more about your dynamics, if you start utilizing some of these slides, and I really think what you should try and focus on, well, there's, all the slides are great, but that back and forth slide. See how you can just add a real life to the way that you're playing? Now, slides obviously can be used to, to shift you from positions. As well, so they're they're functional that way. But from a musical standpoint, just getting used to those or doing that little blues thing, even if you walk away. See how I'm using dynamics at the same time? That's what I want you to be thinking about. Okay. So next up we have, uh, this one's a little bit different, but scraping, okay? You can call these all kinds of, some people call them raking, right? But learning to go. And you'd hear Steve or Yvonne do this a lot. So again, let's say I'm in A minor pentatonic. I'm going to the seventh fret of the the, uh, fourth string here, which is my root. Okay, and I. Thank you, Aaron. Aaron says, I just got creative Blue soloing and so far it's awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate that.
0: If you're enjoying this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, go to guitarzoom.com and consider becoming a premium member. There are three memberships to choose from For more info about these memberships and all the premium courses available to you, go to GuitarZoom.com. Now back to the podcast.
1: So I'm, I'm just creating this scraping sound by just touching the strings and then just moving into the last note that I'm going to play. Now we can go that direction too, and oftentimes the rake or the scrape will happen with this hand, You see, so I'm touching, so I'm getting that sound until I get to the last note that I'm looking for. See that? So if I'm playing, and again, I don't wanna get too far ahead of myself here. See, you can start using all of that stuff in conjunction with each other. It's just super cool. So raking, you're either, if you're coming from the top side, I'll call this the top side because that's where the thinnest string is. If you're coming from this angle, you're usually raking this direction and you're touching with this hand. When you're raking this direction, you're usually touching with your palm mute part of your hand. Uh, Knight Rider says, am I using reverb combined with delay right now? That's correct. I could turn it off like this and it sounds like this. Okay? But if I give this, it gives it just a little bit of ambience. You see, right around what I'm doing. I love to have a little bit of delay and a little bit of reverb, but always making sure that they're not overpowering your actual guitar signal, okay? Um, I'm not even sure what tone. As a matter of fact, Dr. Z, if you have a Kemper, Amy says, how can I get this tone? If you have a Kemper, if you go out to where you can download public profiles. This one, if you look up Dr. Z, D-R-Z, that's what this is. And there's only a couple of them out there. This one is Dr. Z, M-A-Z. That's what this is. The only difference with it is I built, um, I have kind of a custom delay reverb thing that I use on a lot of my stuff. Um, But that's what it is. It's just a public patch out there that you can get. Okay, cool. So let's keep going. So we've got our rake or our scrape, whatever you want to call that. (laughs) so let's talk about the next thing that you can probably see me doing already which is vibrato now vibrato is so important for you to try and develop and what i want you to understand is all of these various techniques even if you've been introduced to them for many many years in your life you can always get better at them and that's part of this whole playing thing for me is when i was younger and it's not like i don't like fast stuff i still love fast playing but it's not the only thing i listen to but The goal is whatever you play to try and make it sound authentic, okay? I could use the word professional, but people get weirded out by that word. I don't mean it has anything to do with being a professional, okay? I don't even really know what the heck that means. Maybe professional just means you make money at it or something, but authentic, that's a better word for me. So authentic is when you're trying to play something and it becomes an element of of reality. The music sounds real, okay? You see that, okay? So as we're doing this, vibrato is one of those things that really brings it to life because it really is a vocal element. So with vibrato, the way I teach vibrato is um, what you can do is you can learn to grab on, like notice how my thumb is over the top. Now if I was doing a speed picking lick and I was down in this position, I'm going to get a different kind of vibrato, but when it comes to this blues vibrato, if I grab on with my thumb over the top and I'm literally grabbing onto the guitar, okay? And what I'm going to do is, my first finger now is on the fifth fret of the third string. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that finger and I'm going to pull it like this. Okay, it's not coming from here. My vibrato never comes from here. Okay, it comes from here. So it's turning like this. So as I grab that guitar, these other three fingers are off the guitar obviously. I'm grabbing on just like this and I'm going to turn with my forearm, with my wrist. I'm going to turn like this. Now you might turn toward the floor you might turn toward the ceiling. It's entirely up to you. I have a tendency of turning toward the floor unless of course I'm on the first string then I have to turn toward the ceiling because there's not enough room. Okay. Let's see here. Somebody asked um, what did I just see? What gauge string do I use? Usually I use a nine gauge. Sometimes in the winter time here in Fargo it gets really 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 cold so sometimes I'll move to an eight and a half, uh, you know, I've got arthritis and things like that. So I might use an eight and a half set, standard tune. Um, but normally I use a nine gauge set when I'm tuned standard, but it depends on the guitar. Like on my PRS stuff, they're all 10 gauge uh, standard. On these with the floating tremolo, that sort of thing, I tend to run nines. So it depends on the, the, the scale length and some stuff like that too. If the scale length is shorter then I usually use tens, um but if the scale length is longer then it's usually nines again unless i'm really having issues with my arthritis and i'll run eight and a halves uh let's see here what is the devil's note note the devil's note is just what we call the flatted five that's your blues note so if you think you're pentatonic i'm gonna get back to what i was talking about i just thought i'd grab a couple of these Okay, so it's my flatted five. So when I'm playing pentatonic, I play five, eight, five, seven. It's the six in between, okay? That sound. Now, when you're playing blues, it creates obviously this dissonance, but then that dissonance uh, goes away when you resolve it. See? So the blues note is that what we call the devil's interval. It's the flatted five, the diminished. Okay, that's what that is. All right, so let's keep going here. Uh, Let's see here. Looks like we're doing pretty good. Okay, good. All right, so keep going with that vibrato. So now I'm back on here, okay? And what I'm doing is I'm twisting like this. And as I twist, of course, that first finger is gonna go downward, which is gonna create that vibrato. The thing you wanna do with vibrato is think about it being like a voice. If you do this, It just reminds me of like some weird outer space phaser thing or something. It's not, for me, it's not a pleasing sound. Like if you're going. It's just like, whoa, what's happening, right? Earthquake, Um, it's just weird. So what I try and do is teach people, slow that down and make it come from your body, right? Make it come from the guitar. And not just doing this with your fingers. Because see, then I've got control. I can control how fast I'm doing my vibrato and I can control how wide I'm doing my vibrato. I can make it very subtle. Or I can make it a little wider. And you can do that on any finger, any finger will work. Now I have fairly small hands, so there are times when my wrist might come down a little bit, my thumb might lower a little bit, you know, if I'm doing like my pinky or something, I, I, my hands are so small I, I can't really do this comfortably. So the thumb might move back a little bit, even, but even when it moves back, the motion is still coming from my wrist and my forearm, if you can see that, okay? So that's how vibrato works, and vibrato is very, very, very important to get comfortable with, okay? <laughs> You see? So now you think about it, I'm combining dynamics with sliding, right? With vibrato, and it sounds more like music than going... right, that sort of thing. I wanna try and think, if I had, if you joined me in the last session, we were talking about swing and straight rhythm grooves, right, so if I was thinking, boom, 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 boom. You know, all those kind of things that I can do. adding some vibrato, that sort of thing, okay? So we've got another one, we've got one more. Again, I don't wanna take way too much of your time. Uh, The dude says Slash's vibrato is incredible. That's right, so think about some of the players that you like to listen to and the way that they execute, not just learning their songs, which is great, but think about the way that they execute some of the things that they do and start studying some of those things. See what it is and see if you can't bring those things to life in your playing, right? Mm. You know, I I remember when I, again, I don't remember the exact day, but I remember when I started thinking about um, sliding to notes as opposed to just playing it, right? And then I also started going, oh, well that, when I slide to a note like that, that actually puts me in a different position on my guitar. I can use that to my advantage too. So there's all kinds of things that you can explore and uh, identify with as you're doing this sort of thing, okay? Let's see here. Any suggestions as to neck radius for us guys with small hands? That's why I play Ibanez for the most part. You know, some of the guitars just get really thick. Um, seven string, I've got an Ibanez that feels really great. I've got a uh, Keith Merrow Schechter seven string that feels wonderful, it's very, very thin. But most of the time, the Ibanezes have pretty thin necks. Um, if you get into the, I forget if it's the prestige line that has really thin necks. Um, that's why I tend to play these. Well, that in fact, I'm endorsed by them. but, um, I've been playing Ibanez since I was 17. About my first Ibanez when I was 17. So to be part of the Ibanez family is pretty exciting for me. Um, but yeah, and it's always worked for me. For me, like fenders and things, they just, they always felt too bulky. Not that I don't love them, but I was given small hands. So it's just easier for me to play a guitar that has a bit thinner neck. So, uh, let's see here. George Lynch's vibrato. See, that's an interesting vibrato. George's vibrato, I saw somebody else say B.B. King. They all have unique styles of vibrato. And th- there again, there are different ways of doing vibrato, but if you start by just learning how to, you know, you think about like, uh, like the really wide vibrato of someone like Zach Wilde or something, there's a lot of ways that you can approach a vibrato, but remember, put it in context. That's why you wanna have control. Because if you're playing really slow, you don't really wanna end that phrase with just this crazy wide vibrato because it's gonna be out of context. That's why you wanna learn to have control. Much more control than just trying to move your fingers back and forth. If you can learn to use your arm, you can control how fast or how wide or or that sort of thing that you want your vibrato to be. Okay? Hopefully that makes sense. Cool. Thank you, thank you, thank you. PRS thicker necks. Yeah, PRS is a little bit thicker than than, uh, Ibanez, but they're not so thick that I I can't play them. I have some PRSs that I really love. And again, when I tend to play them, when I was younger, I hated playing anything other than Ibanez because it always felt awkward. When I got older, I started realizing that it's actually really fun to play guitars that don't feel like this because they make me play differently. So when I grab one of my Paul Reed Smiths and I play, you know, whatever, I don't tend to go for the exact same licks that I would go for necessarily on my Ibanez. I'm not one of those universal players that can just walk into a guitar store and play any guitar exactly the same, no matter what strings are on it or what's set up, or I like my guitar to be set up comfortably. And if the neck's a little bit thicker, then I just tend to play a little bit more uh, melodic, I think. You know, it kind of depends. It depends on the mood I'm in, I guess, but anyway. All right, so let's end this with our last one here, which is bending, which is absolutely crucial, okay? Bending. So bending is when you take a string, you take a note, and you bend it to another note. You're not just bending, but you're bending it to, again, a directive. You're giving it somewhere that it needs to go. So there's three common bends that we tend to use on the guitar every guitar player on the planet uses. So again, if I was in pentatonic, A minor, it's the seventh fret of the third string, the eighth fret of the second string, and the eighth fret of the first string. And all three of those bends, or excuse me, all three of those notes can be bent up what we call a whole step or two frets. So what you wanna do in practicing, let's go to the, if you got your guitar, let's go to the seventh fret of the third string right there. What I would do is I would place all three fingers on that one string to give me more strength. And again, I'm gonna do like vibrato only this time, I'm bending toward the ceiling. I'm pushing toward the ceiling, okay? So what I would do is I would check seven and then check nine and get that ninth fret in my head Now you're gonna notice they do sound a little bit different, totally they're gonna sound a little different but that's the note I'm looking for if I was on the 8th fret of the 2nd string normally I might use my pinky to do some of my licks and stuff but when I go to bends I go to my 3rd finger and again these two join right behind it and I want to bend up two frets higher, eight to 10. So I want to test that. I want to check that, get that sound in my head and bend it up till I hear that sound. And then the eighth fret, which is harder to bend because it's even though it's a thinner string, there's more tension on that string, but eight would bend up to 10. And oftentimes I tell students because they say, well, what what thickness of guitar string should I use? And there's a, there's a lot of variables to that. But if you're a guitar player that's learning how to solo, oftentimes bending on the first string will help you define the thickness of the string set that you wanna buy. Because if you try and bend that string, you know, these strings are pretty easy to bend. The first string's the one that's the hardest to bend. And if you find that on whatever gauge strings you're using, you try and bend that first string and you can't do it, obviously you might need to develop some strength and you know, technique and all those kinds of things. Those are always there. Uh, but you might help yourself a little bit by bumping down a half or, or a, a set of strings and define it by that bend right there. Because the second string and the third string bends will be pretty easy compared to the first string bend, okay? But those are great bends to do are those whole step bends, okay? Then once you've done those whole step bends, Then you've got a lot of other bends that you can explore. Since we're talking about blues, a really great bend to explore is what we call the blues bend. Now, the blues bend is a bend that's really, honestly, out of tune, okay? Because it's almost like a vibrato, it's just tiny. It's not a half-step bend, it's just tiny. And what you do is, let's say I'm playing, uh, again, I'm just descending the guitar. And I get to the fifth fret there, and I wanna end my phrase, but I'm gonna go to my root. What I might do is right before I go there, I'm on the fifth fret here. Right before I leave, I just give that string, that fifth fret, a little teeny bend. And I don't do it right away, because it's out of tune. So the only time I do this is right before I'm ready to leave, I give that a little bend. And I walk away and I move on. See that? Okay, so it's a very subtle bend, a blues bend, and you can do it anywhere. You can do it on any note, just about. I don't know if I do it so much on the root, but, you know, where I probably do a vibrato or something, but again, it's, it's all about exploration, but just about any note can be, see? You can use it anywhere, so it's pretty cool, okay? There's lots of different kinds of bends you you could do. For instance, if I was to take one of these bends and pre-bend it, okay? We can call it a pre-bend or a ghost bend, oftentimes people will call it. Or just a reverse bend where I'm, I'm bending it up so where you can't hear it and then I pick it and you hear that come down afterwards. So it's, you know, if somebody wasn't watching you, they'd hear the note and just think you're playing the note and then it can descend after that. All this stuff is covered in the creative soloing course. Okay, the creating blue soloing. So uh, make sure you check that out if you're interested. Okay, you see that? And I can take that and I can repeat it and get those kind of sounds. Or the
2: there's so many
1: cool things you can do in context of bending. Okay. So what we've got so far is dynamics, which is really important. Uh, We talked about sliding. We talked about scraping or raking, okay? And now we've talked about vibrato and we've talked about bends, okay? And all of these techniques are things that you want to explore. So when you're practicing at home, remember, sometimes you're practicing speed, rudimentary elements, scale positions, whatever it might be, playing up and down with a metronome, you know, that sort of thing. Very, very important, no doubt about it. But then sometimes what you do is you, you turn off your metronome and you just start trying to explore how you can get the guitar to sing, okay? In different formats. And if you decide there's a different technique that works better for you or a different execution that works better in the way that you like to play, that's okay. The, the, the goal is finding your way of doing it. Um, but understand there are multiple different ways of approaching these. The trick is, is figuring out what works best for you when you go to play. It's gotta sound like music coming from your fingers. It can't just be a theory or a topic of, of discussion. You have gotta really find a way of executing these things to make that sound uh, real, okay? So hopefully that helps you. Remember, Friday I'll be going live again at the same time. So hopefully you'll be able to join me. Please spread the word, let people know. Um, if you haven't already subscribed to whatever channel you're on, please do so. And, um, Check out Creative Blue Souling, please. See if it's something that you're interested in. And use these things. Take some notes, take some time. Maybe you're at work right now or something like that when you get home or if you're going to bed when you wake up. Take some time and explore these things. Write them down and come back and watch this later and see what you can do with it, okay? So hopefully that helps you. Everybody, take care, stay positive, and I'll talk to you very, very soon. I'll talk to you on. Next time on the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast, and we'll go ahead and get started so today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about blues licks and how to try and think about connecting them together so not just learning you know seven different blues licks or something like that but really trying to figure out what's the best way of being able to understand how you move from one lick to another or how do you expand ideas with these licks that's what we're going to be talking about today so again just let me know Uh, it takes a second for this feed to get through to everybody let me know if you can see me and hear me okay, and then we'll go ahead and get started. And remember, there's a link. Hey, Bob. Hey, everybody. There's a link that um, that you'll be able to click on to check out Creative Blues Soloing if you're interested in checking out the guitar course. Um, I'm sure that my guys from Guitar Zoom will be clicking it up here too for you to see. But hey, how you doing? Thank you. Hey, Peter. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, everybody. Thank you. So let's go ahead and get started. If you've got your... Um, guitar with you? That's great. If you don't, that's okay. You can always watch this later. Um, if you're part of the Guitar Zoom uh, Facebook group, the the Blues Live Blues Workshop group, of course, it'll be in the group that you can watch anytime you want. Hey, everybody! Thank you so much. You're awesome. So let's go ahead and get started. What we're going to be talking about today are blues licks, and I am going to show you some blues licks. But what I also want to show you is how to think about. Getting creative with your blues licks, expanding the ideas of your blues licks, not just learning five blues licks, okay? Because I always found that when I was learning how to play and when I was teaching, uh, personally teaching one-on-one lessons, you know, trying to teach somebody 17 different blues licks and then having them go play number 15 or play number 14, it's hard to remember that. If you can figure out an organic way of being able to move around your fretboard, It makes way more sense, and it's something that you can utilize. So here's what I wanna do today. Let's say, and again, if you're beyond pentatonic, you can use anything that you want. If you're doing diatonic or anything like that, you can do whatever you like, okay? Um, But what I'm gonna be doing is combining some of the things that we've talked about in our prior sessions and, uh, and expand on that today. Hey, Steve Stein here from GuitarZoom.com, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, can I ask you a favor? Please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with a friend. Your feedback means more to me than you'll ever know. And be sure to check out my YouTube channels where you'll find over 1,000 videos to help you with your guitar playing. Thanks again for listening. Stay positive, keep playing, and keep having fun.